Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have hit songwriter Ben Williams. You're going to hear Ben's story of growing up in both California and Tennessee and what first got him into music. You'll also hear about how his internship at Major Bob Music led to him signing a publishing deal, the story behind the writing of Tennessee Orange with Megan Maroney, and more. I had a great time talking to Ben. This was a super fun conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. How you doing today, Ben? Good, my friend. Thank you for having me. I was just telling you, but I'll tell everybody watching too. I just came in from a run in the Nashville heat, so I'm not that nervous. I'm not that red. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you grew up in uh, the Bay Area in California. What was your childhood like? Yes, sir. My My childhood was awesome. So I often say too, like, you know, I feel like I'm half from Nashville and half from the Bay Area. My mom's actually from Pegram, Tennessee. So I spent the summers in Pegram, Tennessee. My papa was the mayor of Pegram, which was pretty cool. And then uh, the school year is mainly in uh, the Bay Area, California. And um, it was awesome. My childhood, I have two great parents, David Williams and Kim Jundef. And my childhood was really focused around sports. I was always a really big sports guy. Like that was my main focus. That was my goal. I didn't grow up in a musical family at all. I didn't really do music at all. I kind of played guitar a little bit. My brother played drums. But football and track were my main priorities. And um, I was the captain of the football team in high school, which was sick. And then, like, I ran track. And it wasn't really until college where I got into music at all. That's awesome. So growing up, even though you weren't playing music, what kind of music was being played around the house? Or what were you even listening to to kind of get you hyped up for sports that made you feel a connection to music? Dude, such a great question. Like, from as long as I can remember, I've always listened to country music. And I've always listened to, to the country radio, which is still what I listen to. Like, I still listen to country radio. And it was because my mom grew up on country music and she just played it in the car, played it in the house, played it while she was making dinner. Like, country music was always on. And it's funny that you asked that, too, because, like, I literally remember being in the locker room before football games or before, like, track meets. And everybody would be having rap on and getting pumped up. And I'd be like in the corner listening to Jamie Johnson in color and like kind of crying, like kinda crying and like that would fire me up instead of like some in your Drake song. before the game. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like I remember like there's a Randy Hauser song, anything goes, which was like, you know, a pretty deep cut on him. And like, that would just fire me up. Like the emotion would like get me excited. Oh, I'm the same way. I totally get that. Yeah. Which is so weird, but it's true. So you end up to go on to like actually run track in college. Uh, take me through that yeah. process. I mean, because music probably wasn't even on your mind at that point, right? No, it wasn't on my mind at all. And actually, I went to Santa Clara University in Santa Clara, California, before I transferred to Belmont and Nashville. And like, I, I I had this whole pent up thing of like being a college athlete was like really cool, and like it was gonna almost like be my personality. And like that was so dumb of me because I was on the cross country team, which is not like the coolest thing ever. But uh, I got to college and quickly realized, like, man, this is hard. And it wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be. And, like, I find, like found myself in a pretty, not like a super dark place, but just in a, like, what is life sort of place. And, like, 
the summer before college, I had a keyboard that I like to learn chords on for fun. So I actually brought that keyboard with me to college. And then like it was December of 2017 where like that keyboard was in my room and I was kind of like in my fields and stuff. And I played like a few chords on the piano and literally like a song, I swear, like, and obviously it was horrible. It was my first song, but like it just flew out of me. Like there was nothing I can do but write that song. And like, I was like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. And like, it was the coolest thing ever. And then next thing you know, I was like skipping class and just writing songs all day at Santa Clara in California. And like from that day on, literally I've done the exact same thing every day. And that's just like, write songs but pretty much like to skip ahead in that story like when i was writing songs like that i quickly just realized you know nashville which i had known like the back of my hand from spending the summers here was the hub of writing songs i didn't know you could do it for a living but um really quickly right then i had realized like dang i do not want to be studying communication and political science anymore right. and like i want to write songs whatever that means whatever that is but i knew i had to go to nashville and so i actually ended up hauling the cross country and track coach at Belmont and being like, Hey, do you have like a spot on me? And he's like, Hey, I'm going to go talk to admissions like right now. And if they let you in, like you have a spot in our locker room and literally like two hours that same day, I dropped out of Santa Clara and accepted admittance to Belmont, which was crazy. That's awesome. Now, yeah. uh, during your time when you're still running track, you start running, you start writing songs every day. Are you kind of pulling yeah. from like every part of your life at that point, since you hadn't written any songs up to that point, yeah. or you writing about your time at college? What was that like? Yeah, I was definitely, you know, like writing about high school girlfriends and like, you know, missing my family. And I was also, which which I like looking back was really, really cool was like, I really immediately like fell in love with the craft of like a Nashville song or just like a really good song or even like a smart song with a twist and a flip and internals. And like, I picked up on that really quick. So like, as I was feeling all of these emotions, like I, I feel like I definitely got all those like high school feelings like out in like the first 10 songs. Yeah. And then like I quickly just tried to like and not consciously, like subconsciously started just trying to write cooler, smarter, craftier songs. And like I think one thing that I like will say now looking back and again, like I'm still so new, but like. I really think I was trying to write really, really, really smart, clever, crafty songs because Hardy was also taking off at the time. And I wanted to write songs like he was writing, you know, like all those crazy songs. And I feel like I had to write those crazy, clever, try to write songs to get to the simpler songs I'm trying to write now. You know, I don't know sure. if that makes sense. No, for sure. Yeah. Was there anyone like on your campus you were collaborating with at that point or was it just solo rights in your dorm? At Santa Clara, it was all solo rights that like six months before I went to Belmont. And then when I went to Belmont, which I loved, I loved my experience at Belmont. I uh, I had written a lot still by myself. And then my class at Belmont, which was awesome. It was like, well, I guess there was a few. There were like two different classes, but we all wrote was like me, Patrick Murphy. If you know Patrick, he signed mm -hmm. a Warner, Kenzie Carpenter, Ashley Cook, Lauren Weintraub, Nick Boyd. Wow. Like that was I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but like that was our class. And so when we weren't all trying to write, Oh, it was like Peyton Porter too. She was at Lipscomb though. But like when we weren't all trying to write on music row, cause we were all trying to write on music row and like get out of the school bubble. Yeah. That's who like, you know, we would come back from class with and be like, yo, you want to write real quick? It was wild, dude. So what do you, uh, what are some of your first memories of when you moved to Nashville kind of getting thrown into like where everyone's songwriting, like, 
kind of, did you yeah. feel kind of at home when you first got to Nashville? I immediately felt at home and like the, the, my, my initiation to like the way that songwriting works in Nashville, which, you know, is like my best friend, still my best friend, Sam Bergeson. I don't know if you know who Sam Bergeson is. He is no. awesome. He, he signed a combustion. He's an amazing producer, amazing songwriter. He signed his first publishing deal at 17. Oh, so and so, so he would come and pick me up in his old Dodge red truck from the dorm at, a at Belmont and bring me into professional rooms because he already had a deal and I didn't. Yeah. And so, and I suck, but we were best friends. And so he would pull me in and I like really quickly, like felt at home in those rooms and just with those people. And then like after that, I got an internship at major Bob, which I'm still signed to. And I I filed papers in the back and transcribed lyric sheets for two years like listening to Bobby Bones, like the Bobby cast and, and the writer is, and just like, I'm a nerd about songwriters. And so like, I listened to all of those podcasts while I was filing papers in the back, which eventually led to my deal. It's crazy. So what's the story behind that? How do you work up from being an intern there to getting signed as a writer? Yeah, man. So like, I, I don't know if you know, but like, I don't know if you've ever had internships in Nashville, like, or anything like that, but like, I um oh sorry I just accidentally clicked away. Um pretty much the MO like is if you're a songwriter and you're going to go get an internship, right? The the worst thing you can do is be like, "Hey, I'm a songwriter. Can I show you my songs?" Yeah. So there were two my two publishers, Chandler Thurston, still one of my best friends, and Tina Crawford, who I still talk to all the time. Chandler knew I'd I'd written songs, but my songs weren't that good yet. And I absolutely kept it a secret from Tina, who's the boss lady at Major Bob, that I wrote songs. Uh And so I might have done that a little too long because it was like a year and a half in. And my first cut was like on this DJ rehab. And it actually ended up being like a it like charted on EDM airplay. And Tina came down one day on her way to lunch because like the filing office is like in the back of the building and you have to go out that way. And she's like you write songs and you never told me you write songs. I was like, you're not supposed to say anything. Like I, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah. And so she was like, well, Chandler said your songs are good. Send me your songs. And so like I sent her, I don't know, maybe four or five songs and then they weren't, and they weren't that great, but they could see, you know, through that. And they took me to lunch and talk. I told them I wanted to sign a publishing deal. And then, not too far later, this was January of 2020, I'd come back into the office one day, after, like a, a couple weeks after that lunch, and they were like, go write us a 100%er this week and bring it back next week. And I was like, whoa, this is a cool test. And I remember just like canceling and like missing all of my classes that week and yeah. like locking myself in my apartment and just writing, writing, writing. So I came in with like 400%ers and I sat down and played them for them acoustically and, and which I'd never would have done i was so nervous i was terrified and uh they were like these are good like you know we want to sign you and that was january of 2020 i was a senior in college and we were going to set it up for may of 2020 and then covid hit in march which put a halt to all of that but we eventually signed in august of 2020 that's so awesome man now talk about 100 percenters just uh two days ago i was at a jordan davis show interviewing his guitarist dylan for the pod and avery anna was opening the show and let me tell you, man, Narcissist, yeah. like hearing everyone scream that back live, <laughs> such a such a dope song, man. What do you remember about the day you wrote that? Oh, dude. You just gave me goosebumps mentioning that. I think about that song all the time. I love playing that, too. 
Man, that song was so freaking special. That was my first write with David Fanning, who's gone on to be one of my close friends and collaborators and also like, you know, Avery and Parmley's producer. But um, that day we came in and we were just like, let's just write something different. Let's just write something weird. Yeah. And like, you know, we wrote we wrote the first verse the way it is. And like in the first 30 minutes of that, right, really fast. And then we were kind of stuck on the chorus. And Avery and I actually actually went into a different room into the piano room we call it and andy sheridan and david stayed in the room we were writing in and avery and i went off into another room and i would love to find this but we wrote like a whole chorus and avery and i were like this is it this is sick mm-hmm. and we went back into the other room and we were like yo we got it like we got it and david was like nope we got it and we were like okay and then i, th- I don't remember how much they had i think they had the first two lines but david and andy were like you say that I'm crazy, like the exact way you hear it. And Avery and I were like, That's dope. like, never mind. We're not even going to tell you what we did. <laughs> and then uh, I think we only got through the chorus that day. And I actually ended up going to Italy with my fiance and her parents at that time. And we hadn't finished the song and they were meeting the next day to finish it. And I was out of town. So I sent them like on that plane ride, like three full second verse options. And like bridge options and like the bathroom floor was in one of those things. And they like kind of pieced some of it together, but it wrote a bunch of brand new stuff over that. So it was almost like a normally I'm a really fast writer. Like I'm out before 2.30. Like I, if it feels good, I just roll. Yeah. And that was almost like a Frankenstein song, like pieced together, which was crazy because it ended up being mine and Andy and Avery's like all first gold records and first big song, which is crazy. That's awesome. Now, uh, you yeah. also just had a huge number one with Tennessee Orange. Every time I turn on the radio, oh, you're definitely going to hear that within the first couple minutes of being on. <laughs> What's it like to have such a massive song? Dude, it's, it's, I guess it's today's the 13th. So it's five days away from being a month since it went number one. And it is like still so unbelievably not real. Just because, like, you know, that's what we dream of as songwriters to get a number one. And like, you definitely get bitten by the bug where as soon as you get it, like within the first 30 minutes, you're like, all right, time to do it again. But like, um, it's so special, dude. And like that song is so special to me. My mom went to UT and just everything about that song is special. And, you know, for my family to hear it on the radio and send videos is so cool. But like, I'll just talk about Megan because that relationship to me is so important because I was her first co-write ever. Like, I don't know if you knew that or if, if anybody knows that as much as I, I do talk about it. But like it was it was a little after 2020, but we were still writing on Zoom. And like the minute that we got on that 50 50, I was like, this girl is special. And then like that EP that we wrote, she was just willing to say things that nobody would say and like willing to put the song first and foremost, because she knew like without the song, nothing else comes. And so like hair salon was the first song we ever like co-wrote with other people. And like, it just like went from there all the way up until the day that we wrote Tennessee Orange to get back to that specific song. I had come into my office that day and Tina canceled my right before I even got there. And I was like, she was like, Megan is writing with David Fanning and Paul Jenkins who she had never written before. And Megan and I had already written a hundred songs. So she was like, I'm going to throw you in there you know, because they don't know Megan and you and Megan always write. And Megan called me on the way there and she's like, thank God you're coming. I'm so excited. I had this idea last night It's called Tennessee Orange and the hook is like in Georgia. They call it a sin. I'm wearing Tennessee Orange for him, like on the phone. And I was like, 
that's dope. And then like that day we wrote it and six months later, I don't know how many months later, but she put it out and she'll, she'll even say this because we, we just talked about it in another interview, but basically when she cut that song, she was like, yeah, I'm putting out that Tennessee orange song. We were like sick. And she's like, I just know I'm going to write like a, you know, another football song. I'm going to like better in six months. So I might as well just get this one out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, did it have that feeling so when you left that day? Like, could you have predicted that it was going to go to where it was? A hundred percent. No, dude. <laughs> like I, I, some days you're like, damn, this is a hit. And like, I, I try to feel like that most days, but like, you just, I just, you just never know where the song is going to go when you leave that room. And like, we definitely left the room that day being like, that's a sick song. Like I haven't heard anybody say that before. Like, and that was really special, but I couldn't have like guessed that that was going to be like the, the biggest one for all of us, you know? For sure. Now I like to close my interviews by asking what's a piece of advice you've learned along your journey that you'd give to like the aspiring musicians, songwriters out there. So, so true. Like, I've heard this before and I'm not regurgitating. I'm just, it's just so true. It's like show up first and foremost, show up, you know, like the day that I was Megan's first co-write, I was actually on vacation in Denver with my future fiance's parents and her whole family. And like that day I could have easily, you know, texted my publisher and been like, Hey, I'm on vacation. I should really hang out with her parents. Like, and not do this zoom right with somebody who's never co-written before but like i didn't and i showed up and that like changed the landscape of my career and my life and i gained a co-writer for life and a good friend from that so like showing up first and foremost and then just like eat breathe sleep songwriting it's just true like you know even when i get home from like a double i want to like hop on a podcast and like hear about what people are talking about with songwriting and like a lot of people don't like to check the charts, but like, I love looking at the charts. I love seeing it. What's moving fast and what new artists are at the bottom of the charts. And like, I just love studying the game. I think it's so important for like songwriters and artists and anybody in the music business to like study the game of songwriting, study the publishers, learn the business, like learn about licensing, learn about the difference between master points and publishing splits and like what deals look like. Like, I guess, my advice is first and foremost, show up and always write. And then also like be a nerd of the game. Like if you love it and you you eat and breathe it, which like you do and so many people do, like study it because that's what, that's at the end of the day, that's our bread and butter, you know? Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Ben Williams. Ben, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at ben.williams.music. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with hit songwriter Jim McCormick. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next.